Welcome to the St Albans podcast, bringing you news, views and reviews for the city and district of St Albans. In association with the Hearts Advertiser. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans podcast with me, Danny Smith. Coming up on the show this time around, we have Health Matters with our very own health correspondent, Alan Bellinger. Uh, before that, though, let's get the latest local news with none other than the dynamic news gathering duo of Laura Bill and Matt Adams. Hello. 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 Good to have you back. Thank you. Uh, it's been too long. Right. So, t- <laughs> has. so uh, tell us about the first news story we're doing. Right. Well, um, there's been a lot of talk in the news, obviously, about the rising costs of living. And here's another slap in the teeth, as it were. <laughs> Is it slap in the, kick in the teeth? Smack in the face. Smack in the face. Kick in the teeth. Kick in the teeth yeah. for uh, local motorists with the news that um, car parking charges are going up by a staggering 15%. Now, admittedly, this is the first time in five years, but um, there's been a lot of condemnation about this, um, saying it's going to hit um, shop workers, um, people you, you know with, who are in low incomes, um, th- those who are dependent on their cars, uh, and it could, you know, actually put more retailers out of uh, business. So, um, ironically, uh, councillors who voted this through all get free parking at the uh, civic centre, so it doesn't affect them. I mean that that's the that's the kicker, isn't it? Because if if you if they were going to say, well, you know what, we're all in this together. It affects all of us. One might feel slightly differently, but when it actually is a thing that affects everyone else, but doesn't actually affect them, that that really um, it makes it hard to accept, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we did a thing about the um, the, the free car parking uh, some years ago and had a massive backlash from um, council staff who were really angry at us for doing it. This is not a news story, they said. But, you know, the thing is, if you're offering that service, then, you know, people have a right to know. I love it when people try and tell us what a new story is. It's a surefire (laughs) thing that if it is... Red rag to a bull, isn't it? Yeah, if it is a new story. But what happens? It's because they have a... This isn't a new story. Absolutely. They have a free... They have a pass which they can use at the Civic Centre. But they all use it at the weekend to go shopping. You know, I, w- I didn't remember doing a thing. I walked around the car park on a Saturday and counted the number of council st- uh, staff or councillors who were parked there for nothing. Well, I mean... They weren't on uh, council business, that's for sure. Okay, so they need to put up the, uh, the, the car parking prices because they need the revenue, yeah? They, yep. they need to increase the finances. Uh, and, and, you know, we've got, to, we've got to tighten our belts. We've got to bite the bullet. You know, things are getting more expensive at the minute. We have to accept that. I guess that's in a nutshell what they're telling us as to why they're doing it that's it yeah so I mean, how about as a real good gesture here that all council staff and councillors and all the people who get the free parking only get it monday to friday yeah because, because you know we've got everyone's got to tighten their belts a bit everyone's got to cut back how about as a gesture if there's any councillors out there listening right now how about that you change that you don't that's a get a great plan yeah and then it also means you're getting that extra revenue stream at the weekends yeah yeah and then maybe the rest of us will find this a slightly easier pill to swallow i like that plan Make it, make it. Come on. Who do we need? So. Let's make that happen. Who do we need to speak to? I will have a word. Yeah. No one's going to listen to us, are they? No. It doesn't work that way around. Um, okay. Well, uh, thank you for that. We'll have uh, more local news from Laura and Matt in a moment.
Time to welcome back onto the St Norman's podcast our very own health correspondent, Alan Bellinger. Hello, Alan. Hi, Danny. Great to be back with you. And we've got uh, three matters in, in this month's web health matters. Um, we're going to talk about urgent care in St Albans. Uh, just announced last week was the elective recovery pl- surgery recovery plan, and we'll talk through that and what it means. But um, as ever, we're going to start with a, a COVID update. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be your financial uh, correspondent for about thirty seconds. But um, there's a fabulous saying that the, the stock exchange will do whatever it needs to do to prove the majority wrong. And uh, last month, I felt exactly like that, that COVID had done that to me, because what we were talking about last month uh, was how quickly the that Omicron variant had, had gone up from zero to hero in three weeks, it, it was, which was an incredibly short period of time. And it was when we were speaking last month, it was coming down just as fast. But soon after we, um, we, we, we broadcast, there was uh, a new variant came out, B2, BA2 variant, and that, that meant that um, instead of coming down, we've got a new, a new wave of upwards, and it was upwards just as fast as the old one. So here, here are some interesting numbers for, for cases in St Albans. So these are, are cases per 100,000. And the, the peak that we had before Omicron, as we said in last month's broadcast, was 770 cases per 100,000. That was in January 2021. The, the Omicron BA1 peak uh, was December the 22nd, and that was 1,956 cases. So well over double what the previous peak was. And then on January the 28th, we had a, the, the second Omicron peak, which was 1,462. That was the result of the, that new variant. So it's, it really sort of went straight up, straight down again, and then almost straight up again. And now it's coming down. So the, the, today, as of February the 16th, we've actually got 965 cases. So it's, it's on its way down again. Okay, so so it has been going up and down a bit. Uh, however, it is worth, um, I think it, it's worth highlighting as well, though, that these are the cases, this is the number of people who have it. And everything seems to indicate that the majority of people are are suffering far less with it when they have it. Exactly. That, you know, we really are seeing now a very different picture, aren't we, to what we did before, you know, before, a year two years ago yes. somebody catching it was was quite scary was was quite severe there was a far higher risk of hospitalization yep. uh, now it's akin to a, a winter cold isn't it it seems the way it's it, for the majority present- of people yes there's some, yeah. there are some that get it and of course quite bad still and there's caveats in that and there are still yep. people who are who are you know vulnerable and and those who are um, having it more severely but in the majority of instances we it does seem like we are learning to live with this oh yes yeah i think you know, this omicron variant is much less severe than than previous ones um that's that was evident when they brought the um you know when people when people were still um having to isolate because of covid they brought the, the gap down from seven days to five days mm. simply because the symptoms didn't last as long yeah uh, now i was i was somewhere the other day where a person was supposed to turn up to do something and then couldn't because they had covid and and another uh, person involved with this organization said well i wish they hadn't said that she has covid because it's just going to scare people and i said well actually i think it should be almost the opposite now we should be we should be very open about oh she's got covid because in time people might hear that in the same way you hear oh you know off with the flu off with a with a bug because you know not trying to belittle or diminish what it is to have covid but to you know that that 
it shouldn't strike fear into people just hearing that word any you know we we, yes. we should know a bit more about it now we we should have a little bit more understanding of, of what that means yeah we need to uh, we need to understand that we've got to we've got to be careful when we get it we are this omicron version is highly contagious so if you if you know you've got it then you do have a responsibility to make sure you protect yourself and and save it passing it on to others absolutely but, but as, the the as day, you should if you have a cold or if you have the flu exactly. and hopefully one of the things we might learn from covid now is that we will be more careful about spreading bugs you know coughs and sneezes spread diseases <laughs> as as the old phrase went you know and, and it seems we had forgotten this yes hand washing taking other sensible precautions yep. can, can go a long way and if you've got any kind of symptoms mask up if you've got to go out absolutely absolutely okay so um, what are hospitalizations looking at like at the moment they're staying pretty much at the same level as last month an average of around 70 people in hospital in both the Lister and in Watford Um, but the vast majority of those people that are in hospital were not vaccinated that's that's really the key point I think and and I think you know we're saying we've got to learn to live with it well we we can learn to live with it because we've got lots of antibodies in our blood now from all the vaccinations. Mm. Um, and not only that, but if we do get it, we can be treated by a pill at home. So ev- even that makes uh, the whole treatment process that much simpler and easier. Yeah. Um there was a, a rather misleading um, image and statistic uh, doing the rounds on social media recently, which was saying about the alarming high number of people who have been vaccinated who are in hospitals. And it really was a case of lies, damned lies and statistics, <laughs> because the numbers presented were not untrue, but they were shown out of context. Yep. And and something else that is very important to appreciate is that whilst people might look at the numbers and think that's still a high number of people who are vaccinated who are with covid but but when you look at that as a percentage of how many of the population are vaccinated it's a minuscule amount it's very very low indeed. whereas when you look at the number of people who are unvaccinated and the number and the percentage of those who are in hospital it's a high amount yeah and that wasn't what this was showing and it was very misleading because you know when you look at those numbers out of context that you you could you could be forgiven for thinking well look a lot of people have been vaccinated and they're still in hospital but when you compare that to the to the tens of millions of people in this country who have been fully vaccinated it's it's um it's a very small number it's, isn't it's it? absolutely minuscule yeah it? yeah it's it's absolutely um the right thing to do the number of, of unvaccinated people in st albans is relatively low it's between eight and nine percent yeah so it's, it's it is relatively low but um uh that, anyway, that's that's the number in in in, in hospitals at the moment okay um and, and and that number would it be fair to say from this that that number had been relatively unchanged despite the various omicron variant peaks yes, and drops? exactly exactly it's just a it just stayed level as around about 70 people okay uh, and, so and you know when when you think you know, watford's got 520 beds and there's about 700 in in um, the lister so it's 10 to 12 percent covid it's 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 still significant but really at the end of the day it's not particularly high no when you think you know at the peak watford had 400 out of 500 beds with covid people in yeah yeah so it's 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 far smaller than it was and it's relatively constant yes 
Yep. Okay, that's good news. Um, and and um, as far as COVID restrictions are concerned, um, what's the latest there? Yeah, we're currently that we in- know about because <laughs> at, at the time of recording, we know that there's an, an, a new announcement due next week. Next week, but we yes. don't yet. Um, know anything about that so we're recording this on the 16th of february for just for clarity there so where are we at the moment so we're we're still currently in plan a so it's plan a restrictions still apply that those restrictions are scheduled to end on march the 24th but um the uh, the government has said that there's a high probability that will end they'll be brought forward to next week so uh, keep keep an eye out for that one okay Uh, we'll have more from alan bellinger a bit later Hi, I'm Chris Aikman. Join me, local author Howard Linsky, and St Albans podcast producer Sam Rolfe for the St Albans Film Guide. Each week, one of us will guide you through the new releases at the cinema and on streaming services. We'll also give you our choice of the best films to watch on UK free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. So if you're a film lover, join us for a chat about all things movie-related every week as part of the St Albans podcast. New episodes will be released every Friday morning, for more information, visit sullivanspodcast.com or find us where any good podcasts are found. We're back with Laura and Matt with more uh, local news. What's next? Right. Well, back in 2015, uh, Peter, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, launched this um, much derided campaign to rename Ye Olde Fighting Cocks as Ye Olde Clever, Co- uh, Clever Cocks because they thought it might upset chickens. Um, well, basically, they didn't want to glorify the ancient sport of cockfighting. Now, it turned out at the time, we revealed at the time that no one had ever been to the pub. Um, they ha- if the, the person that was um, fronting the campaign, Dawn Carr, she hadn't even been to St Albans for years. So it was a huge um, egg in their face for Peter. They looked ridiculous on the back a, a of it. A chicken egg, I'm guessing. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, would you believe because they can't come up with anything better to do they've started they've done it again they've sort of taken advantage of the fact the pub has gone into administration mm. and written to its owners and said oh you should do this uh, and also demanding that they change it to an all vegan menu as if that you know that <laughs> yeah they're obviously just jumping on the publicity it, it thing, is aren't a, they? but it's ridiculous it just makes them look so stupid and a, a bit cruel really because people's livelihoods are being threatened by this isn't this sort of a classic example of newsjacking? Yes, it is. Where, where they've that, so Peter have have just jumped on a bandwagon, and they don't care perhaps that that there are li- livelihoods that's that are suffering because of this. Publicity, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the actual phrase, though, isn't it? Newsjacking. Newsjacking is, is is what this is, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, you off, we used to get it a lot more, to be quite honest. Where you'd um, you'd get a press release um, that had a really tenuous link to something um, else going on in the mm. world, and it was, and you, you could just. Oh, it just makes me cringe that people come up, come up, can't come up with their own ideas and they just, you know, mm. try and sort of jump on the back of this sort of issue. be a bit like um, Pizza Express doing some sort of deal at the moment based on the fact that Prince Andrew's uh, just uh, <laughs> paid off somebody to, to get rid of <laughs> yes. charges. Yeah, yeah. it would be a very tenuous link to a news story, but <laughs> let's make a thing out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be brilliant. Or, or you know, a, 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 an underarm deodorant people say, if you want to stop sweating, like, like Prince Andrew, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's kind of newsjacking, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. So, it is. P- uh, Peter, are they, I mean, are they particularly active locally? I don't know, I haven't heard them for years. They've just sort of, you know... You'd... They're the ones where you see the horrific videos that people post on Facebook because just the most awful things that you can't unsee after you've seen that's it yeah. yeah yeah and as an animal lover i'm not saying that they don't do i'm sure they do loads of good but it's like makes me feel literally physically sick some of those videos i know that's the idea of it to like make you feel give money or whatever but i don't need to see sixty-five thousand chickens all in 
shape uh, but, the size can, of a postage stamp. But Laura, you can surely you can support the the ethical treatment of animals and be against the methods of PETA. You, you know, then those two things aren't. aren't yeah, they linked, used to be quite extreme, didn't they? In yeah. a way, you know, weren't they the ones that sort of you know just break into? I'm not absolutely certain in this but break into animal testing labs is that peter used to do that i don't know no. um so legally it's yeah, not that's why i'm um, not saying were they <laughs> <laughs> but but certainly i think as laura said they, they they used to use some extreme advertising imagery uh, to try to get their points across and um and it does seem now like this is i mean also is this not a little bit like the thing about you know taking down old bits of art and old statues that that it is a bit woke, isn't it? it well, wokey woke woke. Yeah, right? and it, is it not better to keep the name Fighting Cocks? And if anybody says, "Well, what's that about?" to actually say, "Do you know what? There was a time in our history when we would do barbaric things like cockfighting, and then explain." what it was and why we don't exactly. do it anymore and exactly. use it as a learning yeah. point i mean i don't think any you know it's going to inspire anyone to get some you know cockles together and start having it out i think it's people still do dog fights now i know it's a massive thing dog fighting isn't it among certain communities yeah so you'd think they'd be better spending their time on worrying about those actual i mean i'll, I'll be honest i never thought it had anything to do with poultry when i first heard the name but <laughs> it's uh yeah, you know, but but to take the name away, to change it, to be politically correct, you you are losing a, a valuable educating opportunity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so good point, well made. <laughs> okay. Yep. Well, Peter, if you're listening, you know, clear off. Um, no, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it does seem like he's jumping on the bandwagon. And there's a lot of people at the moment who are impacted by what's happened at yeah. the Fighting Cox. Yeah, they could spend their Apologies time. Apologies to anybody on. called Peter. We don't mean you. <laughs> or do we? <laughs> Anyway, uh, we'll have more from Laura and Matt a bit later. We're back with Bellinger. Uh, Tell us about the NHS elective recovery plan, if you please, sir. Sure, I'll tell you all about it, Smith. (laughs) So, uh, yes, last week um, in the House of Commons, the NHS recovery plan was announced. Um, I I did some numbers, and currently there are over 19,000 people in the St Albans district. Um, on the NHS waiting list for delayed elective surgery. And some of them have been on that list for two years. So uh, there's a significant number here. Um, but just over a week ago, Sajid Javid announced the government's plans to bring this down. And the, 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 the announcement really covered three specific areas. Firstly, uh, community diagnostic centres. You know, p- part of the way of speeding things up when... Um, when looking at the, the backlog we've got at the moment, is to improve access to diagnostics and use diagnostics to, uh, A, to understand what's going on and B, to be able to prioritise the case. Um, and in, in other areas, they've created local diagnostic centres to enable people to get more rapid checks and scans and tests. Um, so the key metric here is there should be a six-week wait maximum for diagnostics pre-COVID, that, that was six, 96% were within six weeks, and today at 74%. So these hubs are designed to bring that back up to the, to the 90% level. Okay, uh, so and they're going to be uh, Watford, Lister and Luton and Dunstable hospitals? There'll be more in the community than in the hospitals. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so um, they're, they're likely to be very accessible. They could be, for instance, in that welfare hub in, um, in, in the city centre. I think that's... The idea is to make them as accessible as possible rather than, you know, restrict them to hospitals. Oh, okay, right. 
what will be in hospitals are what's called surgical hubs, and that's the second one. Sorry, yes, uh, I, I, I slightly misspoke. That, that was what I meant, but yes, sorry, <laughs> we're coming on to that one now, aren't we? So, yeah, they have been established in Watford, Lister, and in the LND already. And, and these surgical hubs allow more surgeries in a single day than in a typical outpatient setting. So um, that means that they can fast-track more operations and make sure parents are, are more likely to go home the same day. Um, the, the third significant um, move is, is the virtual hospital. This is Does that involve some sort of uh, headset or something? <laughs> well, it, it, it really involves people doing the... Um, blood pressure monitoring and temperature and whatever else that people, depending on their condition, there's specific areas to monitor. And these are being done at home. Um, and the virtual hospital specifically allows more pre- and post-op appointments um, being done at home, which therefore releases bed capacity. And that, that again, helps boost the, um, the throughput. And the last one is a waiting well initiative. Um, so the NHS is launching a new online platform called My Planned Care, and this goes live this month, um, and that offers patients and their carers uh, information that's specific to them ahead of their planned surgery to enable them to prepare for the surgery, and it also shows them where they are in the queue, uh, and it links patients to healthcare professionals to ensure that, that while they're waiting, they are waiting well. So those, um, those are the, the, the four significant parts of the... Um, of the initiative that, that Sajid Javid announced last week. And okay. uh, hopefully that'll bring the list down a bit. Okay, I'm going to be really cynical here. And uh, <laughs> feel free, Alan, to either you know, um, contradict me or, or, or back this up. I've never uh, been reticent. <laughs> however you see fit. But this, um, uh, this waiting well sounds like a great idea in theory, but it's an online platform. And how easy is that going to be for a lot of people on these longer-term waiting lists to even access because it seems to me, and, and maybe my, my perspective is somewhat skewed, but it's often older people that are the ones that are suffering on this, the ones who who were given such a, a rapid amount of information, a very short amount of time, and then don't remember half of it, you know, and, and, and think, oh, no, but I don't, do I have to do that for two weeks before my op, or do I have to do this, or what's going to happen, and I can't remember. And, and they're not the people who are easily going to be able to access some kind of online platform, where undoubtedly there'll be passwords they'll have to remember and, and all sorts of other things. Um, so is this... <laughs> Is this is this a camp an initiative that that's actually useful, or is this a bit of government rhetoric that sounds good? Um, well, we'll have to wait and see. Um. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Come on, Alan. <laughs> what, what do you think? Do you think this this is exactly what's needed, or is this a bit of waffle, or is it somewhere in between? Um, I, I, I think I think it's absolutely needed. Um, how well the implementation of it will perform is what's questionable. Okay. Um, I mean, to to have this this new um, hub ready in in well, it, it was announced two weeks. It was announced last week, and it's going to be ready by the end of the month. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> most IT projects um, would would need a little bit longer than that to to yeah. uh, to, to have a full level of functionality. I, I, I mean, I was thinking there more in mean, my criticism more specifically of the waiting well part of yes. of what you just said, and I suppose that for those um, older people who perhaps don't have access to online um, facilities, they might well have family members who do. And yep. so perhaps those people might find something like this quite useful because then they can log in and have a look and see where their relative is in the queue and, and, 
and what's what. Yep, and um, and it actually gives them health, access to a healthcare professional. You don't, you know, at the moment, trying to ring up and get through a long waiting. Well, there are 52 people in the queue in front, in front of you type yeah, of thing and you can only be ill between 8 and 10 <laughs> and that's if we're not too busy Yeah, I think. so it, it, it does give them access to healthcare professionals which I think would be extremely valuable the uh, final health uh, matters issue that we're going to be talking about this time is uh, the latest on urgent care in St Albans Alan yeah indeed drilling back into the memory you remember at the St Albans City Hospital there was that minor injuries unit yes all the signs are still up but of course the minor injuries been unit's been closed almost um, almost 2 years now since the start of covid um, and the plan is to upgrade that to an, an urgent care facility rather than to minor injuries. So that, that may th- sound like it's just playing around with words, but there is a significance to it. Okay, well, well what's the difference then between a mi- minor injury and urgent care? Well, the um, urgent care, in addition to dealing with injuries, also deals with illnesses. So a, an injury would be where we've stabbed our finger yeah, and it's... Yeah, put, put a drill through your thumb, like I've done actually, but less, you know, I'm not here to talk about my ailments. <laughs> no, thanks for that information. That information. I just showed him my thumb, the <laughs> listener. He's just been horrified at that hole. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the sort of thing that in days of old I could have taken to the minor injuries unit. Yes. But, 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 but if I was feeling ill in some way and I wasn't sure what was up, that, that wouldn't be the place to go to. Exactly. So, so the urgent care will have both illnesses and injuries to be to be able to treat, and that's that is significant. I mean, that's a in, in, in major increase in functionality. Um, the The big question is when um, the initial plan was that should open sometime between uh, March and, and June this year, um, but the latest uh, re- press release from from the, um, the the commissioning group that's responsible for this has shown that it's actually slipped to September. There's a there's a major procurement exercise that's underway um, within the next few, which starts within the next couple of weeks, and so that will determine who the successful bidder is to to do this. Okay, can you just explain that a little bit? So, what does that mean exactly? Because um, why or how are people bidding for this? I, I I don't imagine I'm an idiot. I know it's going to be a stretch, but <laughs> see, I just thought, well, isn't it just being run by the hospital? Isn't it just the NHS that do it? So they, why don't they just open it back up? It, it was there before. Um, there's more to it that clearly I'm I'm missing. Well, the majority the majority of, of people on the that would bid for this would be NHS organisations. So, for instance, um, the Watford Hospital, um, who runs the the three hospitals in Hertfordshire, um, they are a potential bidder to be able to support that service. Right. Um, equally, the Community Trust. Um, so, the Community Trust is really where. People from an acute setting have stepped down into support within the community. They they could bid for it. Um, the doctors consortium in St Albans could could bid for it, um, and and so it and so it goes on. Um, you know there are, there are lots of organisations that that could go for it, um, and therefore they have to do a procurement against that. So they have to demonstrate to the procurement team that they have. The, the best operation that can fulfil it, A, within a financial envelope that they're given, um, but B, in terms of the way they can deliver and deploy their their proposed option. Okay. So it, it is um, it is a, a tendering process, 
Um, and there are multi- in the main there are org- NHS organisations I think that would go for it, but there are also private organisations that could bid for it as well. And they might run it on behalf of the NHS. Exactly. Okay. Um, so well, we we wait and see developments on that one. I, I Absol- guess you'll be bringing us more news as as, as you get it. Yes. Yeah, so as soon as the next milestone is reached, I'll uh, I'll let you know and uh, see how it goes from there. But uh, we're looking forward to that now opening in September. Okay. Well, Alan Bellinger, health correspondent. Thank you once again for sharing with us the latest of what's happening in our local area. And uh, if you want to find out more about what Alan has mentioned, then uh, Alan's written an article, and uh, it's uh, the link to that article is is in the description of this podcast episode. So right now, uh, you can just tap or click the link and you can uh, see his article. You can also go to our website, stalwanspodcast.com, and you'll find the article there as well. Uh, Alan, until next month, thanks very much. Thank you very much. See you next month. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash elsewith. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Time for one final news story now from the Hearts Advertiser team of Laura Bill and Matt Adams. Right. Let's talk about buses. Yes, let's. And we spoke about this last week, didn't we? I think, I believe. Do we talk about the buses? The eight number specifically the we number eighty four. In the past, yeah, yeah, about the eighty four. Yeah, maybe it was the week before. Is that the big red bus that goes to Barnet? That's the very one. Go links London Colney, St Albans, Selbarns, um, and uh, Potter's Bar. It's like the token London bus that goes round. It's a, it's iconic, yeah. I think, and that's why it was even more shocking when um, Metroline, who ran it, said they were going to scrap it. Now, they didn't even put this out to consultation. They didn't announce it. We found out by, um, because customers told us, and we were the ones that actually, you know, spread the news. uh, Do you mean passengers? Yeah, customers, passengers. Yeah, they are. Front facing. Yeah, yeah, okay. I thought you might meant, like, our readers. Oh, Trying to figure out what you meant. No, the passengers on the bus. Well, they're probably both. Brand lovers. Yeah. Yeah, So now the wheels on the bus will go round and round all day long because... Um, another company has stepped in to save at least part of the route. This is Sullivan Buses. They're, um, they're working in conjunction with Hearts County Council. Oh, so they've saved the day, really? Totally have. Saviour Sullivan totally have. Buses. Unless you live in Potter's Bar and want to get to uh, Barnet, because that part of the route isn't happening. Or well, in oh. fact, St Albans to Barnet. So didn't we, we did talk about this a couple of weeks oh. back, and didn't we say at the time that this is what would happen, that, that Metroline are giving it up because it's unprofitable, and therefore Hearts County Council will find another operator because part of it is like an essential route that they are obliged to provide yeah and then they've gone and done yeah, that they have gone and done that i don't i've never heard of sullivan buses so presumably a much smaller operation yeah and they'll just fo- you know maybe just focus on this one service but if you're not you know if you're not part of a huge conglomerate effectively then your costs are probably a bit lower and you can afford to you know run at less profit um one of the things i think Indeed. we did meant we <laughs> one of the things i think we mentioned before was that um 
that it might mean though that there's a reduction in the service that that you know that it may not run as frequently might be very patchy at the weekends and things yeah, like that. yeah they haven't announced the timetable yet so it remains to be seen but, but perhaps uh, you know uh, travelers should uh, brace themselves for for the fact that that might be a thing yeah yeah i mean passengers <laughs> <laughs> maybe we Customers? maybe it'll be focused on the morning and the evening you know periods and not so much during the day but it's it, you know it thing is there's this whole drive to get everyone out of cars and into public transport and then you you know you have companies scrapping their the services this one's been going for like you know best part of a century i think i used to love the 84 bus i did i used to go out with someone in barnet i'm talking in a northern accent no you're not coming through very clearly yeah. you need to talk to other yeah i used to get on the 84 bus at st albans high street and get off in posh barnet and hang out and then it was very reliable and it was quite expensive then i remember for as far as buses go but it did take like an hour and 20 minutes what to get to barnet yeah mm. It, I mean, but it's these sorts of bus services that people, particularly without cars, are so dependent on. And yes, you, yeah. you know, the drive, the, the drive mm. to um, to get people to not use the car so often. Yet the bus services aren't really up to making people want to leave the car behind. Absolutely. I mean, and also there was a bit, there would have been a big impact on pupils who attend ta- uh, Stags and Townsend because they use it as their main, you know, way of getting to the school. Mm. Um, and with everything else that you know, pupils are going through at the moment, it's another worry that fortunately has been resolved. Okay, well, thank you for giving us the latest on that. And I'm sure as, as news comes out about the, the revised timetable, that will probably be shared as well if it's something that's going to be impacting uh, the passengers uh, of, of that bus service. But thank you to Matt and Laura. If you want to know more about local news in our area, check out their website, heartsad.co.uk. Uh, And thank you as well to Alan Bellinger, our very own health correspondent. Next week, we have uh, our food and drink correspondent, Becky Alexander, joining us, plus more local news from Laura and Matt. Uh, On Friday, we've got the St. Albans Film Guide with new Film Guide host Max Hartington. Uh, Sunday, we have the Dagnall Street Baptist Church virtual service with Simon Carver. Uh, Monday, it's another edition of One to One with Elspeth. Find out more about us on our website, stalbanspodcast.com, and also on the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we are at St. Albans Podcast. Thanks for listening to this edition of the St. Albans Podcast with Danny Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or a podcast platform of your choice. This will help us reach more listeners. Join us, the St. Albans Podcast, next Wednesday for more news, views and reviews. In the meantime, commit no nuisance. Produced by Samantha Rolfe. Logo and artwork by David Ellis. This is an independent production in association with the Heart Advertiser. If you would like to become a community partner or a sponsor of the podcast, please visit stalbanspodcast.com for more details.